Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What's happening, football fans? Welcome to the final Gagan pod of the year where we're talking all things Prem. Is time running out for Marcelo Bielsa's leads? And how far can Arteta's Arsenal go before we hand out the Gagan doors? We are writing the wrongs of the Ballon d'Or ceremony, the players that should have won awards, and the biggest flops of the year before Schwarzer and Sorensen go full Nostradamus, predicting England to win World Cups and huge manager sackings next year. This is one you don't want to miss. It's the final Gagan pod of the year. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the final Gegenpod of 2021. I'm joined by the goalkeepers union in Mark Schwarzer and Thomas Sorensen. Still no sign of Michael Bridges, probably out in the town uh, with the Geordies there running a mark standard. But I'm here with the two most important as we wrap up all the biggest storylines of 2021. We hand out the Gagan Doors, which was such a success last year where we give out the awards for best and worst moments of the year, players, managers, and all the rest. But guys, good evening to you both. Joining me from Europe, Marky Schwarzer. How's the weather over there in London? Uh, it's getting a little bit colder, um, but we're still pretty much... Um Got we're dry weather. That's the most important thing. Um, and we might have snow. There's a, there's a slight outside chance we may have snow on the weekend. And by the way, I told Bridgie that it's tomorrow night and not tonight. So that's why he's not here. <laughs> I'm not surprised that uh, he didn't figure it out himself. Tommy, how are you? How's uh, how's the motherland treating you? No, it's great to be back in in Denmark and and like sports, it, it's pretty it's pretty damn cold here as well. Uh, and again, snow possibly for Christmas. So I'm um you know I'm I'm quite excited. Uh, but yeah, it's great to see the family and and still watching a bit of the uh, the football from across the pond. I fancy um, more snow at, uh, in, in Thomas's area than it is going to be out here because there's very unlikely going to be snow here. But there is talk. They're saying maybe there's some snow uh, during Christmas. Maybe they're just trying to divert from the whole COVID situation and give us a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy that maybe there might be some snow on Christmas. Yeah, well, uh, over here, it's, it's the complete opposite. You guys are giving me a bit of stick about my singlet that I'm rocking today on the podcast. It's uh, Summer has finally arrived here in Australia. No more La Nina. We're finally getting some hot, sunny days back-to-back here. So... Um, you know what, but it's always nice. During Christmas, it's always nice to have a bit of cold weather and stay inside. But then besides that, I'm not envying you guys at the moment. Let's get to the football. You mentioned that you're watching plenty of it. And I guess we're trying to make the most of what we have here in Australia. There's some nights where we're staying up late till 1 a.m. And then you figure out that the game's been postponed. And it's, uh, there's nothing worse at the moment. But we have had a fair bit still to talk about. First one I want to talk about is Mikel Arteta and his Arsenal side, which over the last week or so seem to have really stamped their authority on that top four. They've moved into it. They beat West Ham convincingly another huge win against Leeds no Aubameyang and no worries Schwartzy has Arteta turned a corner with his team I think he may have um, 
You know what? I know they haven't played necessarily uh, the bigger clubs, but listen, in, in the past, Arsenal have done okay with the bigger teams and struggled against the teams that they're sort of expected to win. They've been accused of being a bit soft and rolling over. They certainly haven't been that, uh, you know, in a recent time under under Mikel Arteta. Um, I was at the the game against West Ham and I thought they were they were very good in the first forty five minutes, um, just without finishing the game. Um, off and they deserve to win probably you know got a little bit lucky with a penalty decision and so forth and red card however in the end if you take the the flow of the game deserve that win against Leeds as well listen Leeds Leeds were way off at what is it eight first team players out injured massive problems for for Bielsa and, and the Leeds team I mean they've, they've shipped so many goals obviously off the back of the drubbing against Man City now lost at home to to Arsenal and it was a bit of a whimper of a performance um if I were a Leeds fan and, and Bridgie, you know, he'd be trying to trying to keep a you know straight face and keeping you know positive about it. But at the moment, they've got to be a little bit worried about where their team may be heading. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree Tommy, with you. I want uh, yes, no, I, I agree with Swartzy. I think uh, I think uh, you know Arsenal have, have, have definitely turned the corner. I think some of the criticisms that we've had in the past of them being too soft. Um, you know, not having that spine. I think they've that that three at the back with Ben White and Gabriel and, and Ramsdale. I think uh, they, they they've got some real solidity there. And and then you've got some of the young players. Now you've got to look at half of the goals they've scored uh, have come from from players twenty one and, and younger. And you've got the Martinelli now who's on fire. I think Odegaard. I think is growing into the the, the role. Uh, and the midfield as well is is, is getting uh, better with with Chaka and, and Party. So, yeah, they're, they're moving in the right direction. I'm still not convinced of a top four, but uh, you know, definitely from from where we we were talking about them, you know, three or four months ago, I think uh, they've made massive strides. Uh, Granite Xhaka almost threw um, a spanner in the works with his absolute (laughs) ludicrous of a challenge, which I still don't understand how the referee, at the very, very least, didn't give me a yellow card. I I don't even get it. That that is beyond me. And then literally two minutes later, um, trying to think who it was, Leeds United player, similar challenge, straight away yellow card. Uh, It was madness, absolute madness. Yeah, Tommy, I wanted to ask you just on Arsenal, though, when you look at this this change, there was so much noise made about the dropping of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and then taking the captaincy off him as well. And, and still there's conflicting storylines about what exactly happened during that week. But nonetheless, Arteta made a massive decision. And for, for a manager, which is probably considered an inexperienced manager, as a player, you guys have experienced that when your manager steps up and drops a key player and promotes a youth, makes those massive decisions, is that a risk for a manager to lose the change room? Or does it do the opposite effect? Does it really stamp his authority? And, and does it look like he's won over the team because he's not afraid to make those big decisions? I, I think it all hinges on, on Arteta wants to, to, to grow a culture at Arsenal. Um, and, and, you know, to, to do that, everyone has to buy in, especially the, uh, the captain. And, and, and by the sounds of it, it, it was not just him going to France and, and giving a day off to pick up his mom, I think. And, it, you know, and he got stuck and he missed training sessions. It, it's been a continuous thing. And, and even when you look back at his time at, at Dortmund, uh, those were some of the things that led to his departure there as well, that he had disciplinary issues, got fined as well. Uh, and, you know, it's a tough decision because he, he's a good player on his day. He's he's. You know, maybe not this season. Last season, he was fantastic. Was given a new contract, but but I think it's the right decision. Uh, I've been in, in dressing rooms with with players, 
you know that that has had that you know be he's late for meetings you know not living up to what's expected and it drags everyone down and if they get away with it it just plants itself all over the dressing room and and uh, so I, I I'm totally behind what Arteta is doing Schwartzy there was a massive win against Leeds United. I want to ask you, this one hurts me, as, as you know, as a football romantic, but are Marcelo Bielsa's days numbered at Leeds? Uh, uh, his days num- numbered. I, I don't think Leeds United will will part company with him. Will Marcelo Bielsa stay? That that He could get to a point where he may go, you know what, I, I can't do any more, or, or maybe it's time for a change. I'm not really sure. Probably not. The problem I see is that I think Bielsa in the past, correct me if I'm wrong, has also said that he doesn't like to buy plays in the January transfer window because they take too long to adjust to his system. Leeds United, unless unless they've got three or four or five players coming back from injury, those big players, big name players, he's got some serious issues because he needs to make some, some, uh, some signings in January if those players are not back very, very shortly. Then the question is, if those players are still two or three weeks away from being back, how long have they been out for and how quickly will they get into the, the team? How quickly will they change things? How quickly will they hit form? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really delicate situation Leeds United are in at the moment. Are there only three points better off than, than Newcastle? And everyone's talking about how bad Newcastle have been and what dire straits Newcastle are in. Leeds United are not far off it. And yeah, we talk about these players will come back and they'll be better and they'll be... They could be... By the time that these guys all make it back, they could be in one hell of a bother. Yeah, and uh, I must Sorry. say, from, from my point of view, I think my problem with it, and I agree with you with, you know, uh, Bielsa and the, the, the romantic, you know, he, he plays in a certain style, but what worries me is, is that he, he's too stubborn to change it, you know, with, with so many players out. Uh, you know, this system demands a cohesion... That that everyone knows their job and 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 individual qualities as well and 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 they you know he keeps forcing this system and, and you can just see that in the in the games they played Arsenal and, and Chelsea before they make so many mistakes defensively they get caught out and you know it just seems very naive it's like he's trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole where he maybe needs to change things be more solid. Uh, just play for a result, you know, during this, you know, time with injuries. Um, and, you know, if he doesn't change that and injuries keep coming, then, yeah, I see them being dragged in because they've got, the other teams below got games in hand. Schwartz, I think I think you did mention this a few weeks back about managers that have such a such a rigid style and such a stern style of not only training, but also um those rules that they might implement at training and things like that. Bielsa definitely is that type of manager. That can have an incredible effect on a group of players. But after a few years, do players get over that? When injuries kick in and training schedules are so hard, do you think players start to lose faith in this vigorous training regime? I mean, we've seen it happen with managers that have such an instant impact. And then over a few years, it starts to to wear away. Antonio Conte is a huge example where players talk about his training regimes. Could that be the case that's happened with Bielsa? And could he be at fault for this long injury list? Um, I suppose the answer is yes to all of those questions. Hypothetically, it's whether I mean we don't know. We're only we're only sort of guessing from afar. But I've been in dressing rooms where you will do things. I mean, I remember when I first went to Fulham. 
players were pulling their hair out about the way that Roy Hodgson set up his training sessions, and they were monotonous. We did the same things all over and over and over again. We were drilled into playing a certain system. Cones were set out, players were making runs and balls, and it was always like 11v no one, effectively, but it was there were drills. And players were... They were beside themselves. They hated it. They would like come off the training ground going, I can't do this, I can't stay here, I can't handle this. But each week, the results started to, to get better. And very, very quickly, because of the results were, were, were good, the performance was, were, were, were far better, they got better and better and better, players started to buy into it. And, and I've got no doubt, Leeds United players have all bought into Marcelo Bielsa, and that's why they've, they've done what they've done. This season, though, when things... When you're working at such a level and intensity and so hard and on top of it, results are not going your way, you know as players, you know in that change room, you need help. You know when players are not good enough around you. If players are missing because of injury, you need reinforcements. You know it. And the worst thing is you keep doing the same things. You know the players you've got in the team at this particular moment are probably not quite up to playing that level in, 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 in the Premier League of that style of football but the manager just won't change. That, that to me, for a lot of players, will start to lose faith and start to... It's about self-preservation in the end. Players start to go within themselves and they'll start to be the odd uh, complaint if the manager then comes out and, and makes comments about the performance and the team were really poor like he did after the Man City performance, which he was right in saying so. But it's also he's the manager and partly to blame because of the team he puts out there in the setup and not making those adjustments like Thomas was saying. Um, it can change. I'm not saying that's happened at Leeds right now, but it can change. That sort of intensity, those sort of training regimes come under the spotlight when results don't back it up. If you start to go on a, on a run of games, on quite a lot of games, I'm not saying after two or three games, I'm talking six, seven, eight, nine games where things are getting worse and worse. You don't see, a, you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel anymore. Players can turn very quickly. Tommy, uh, quick word on City. I mean, we know we know how good they're looking at the top of the table. But when we look at those top three, Chelsea now one win in their last five matches. Is that a similar case to what we're talking about here? I mean, obviously different end of the spectrum, but there are injuries at Chelsea. There is a certain style which they're sticking with, but for quite some time now, if you talk to Chelsea fans, it's been like even when they were winning those games, it's kind of like, oh, we're not playing as good as we were a few months ago. It seemed like this patch was coming. Now it's arrived. They're slipping further and further behind City. Are they becoming the little horse again in this top three? I still think it's, it's too early. Um, as you said, they're, they're missing a few players uh, you know, I still think they they haven't quite integrated Lukaku as well. Uh, you know, we, we we saw him, you know, with an early blossom, blossom uh, in the beginning, and then then a bit of a struggle. Um, so I still think Tuchel's got work to to you know to to do there. And uh, I think Chilwell is a big miss on that left hand side. It seems when he's not playing, they haven't got that same threat down both flanks. And um, you know, again, they just don't seem as as good. And and I think. You're looking at City that they are moving in the other direction. You know, you got Kevin De Bruyne who's who is not great early in the season. He's coming into form. Even Raheem Sterling also maybe sort of suffered a bit after the the European Championship. He's getting better, and you just see the whole team. Cancelo is absolutely on on fire. They're keeping clean sheets. You know, and and we were talking before the season with you know they you know if they don't get Kane or if they don't get Haaland, you know they they they'll struggle to keep up with Liverpool and Chelsea. I think 
I don't even know if they need those two players, you know, with the way they're going uh, and the way, you know, the, the team is sort of fluently just, you know, seems to get better. And, you know, they're, they're definitely the team to beat. And Chelsea got got to do some catch-up. So, so you can, in some way, call them the, 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 the sort of small holes at the moment, at least. Yeah, Man City is certainly taking the, the, the right steps forward. The only thing I'd be worried about a little bit, just a tiny bit for Manchester City, is this little little thing that just happened on the weekend whereby Pep Guardiola dropped um, Foden, Grealish and Stones for off-the-field behavioural issues. So, you know, it'd be, it's going to be an interesting one because, you know, Grealish, obviously, they've paid a lot, a lot of money for. Phil Foden is kind of the golden child brought through as a phenomenal talent, phenomenal player. Um, John Stones has been playing really, really well. Um, how that gets dealt with and how the players respond to it um yeah that that's the only thing at the moment where you look at city and go well that's the only thing you can kind of fault them with at the moment i mean they've quietly gone about their way they obviously destroyed leeds united they got the job done against newcastle um which is never an easy easy game when you're playing against a team that are scrapping and they're at home um but yeah you're right chelsea struggling a little bit and the funny thing about Chelsea, what, what interests me is Lukaku came back from the injury when he rolled his ankle or had his ankle, you know, uh, player fell on his ankle. And he didn't come into the team and how long it took him to get any real opportunities. Now he's got COVID. So that is a worry for me. Is something not quite right there with Lukaku? Maybe the match, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, and, and, and even though Chelsea's got a phenomenal squad, they seem to there seems to be a bit of an issue in terms of of of, of their performance their the togetherness a little bit something that was so good last season um they're defensively not not at their best at the moment as well and the starting lineup is changing drastically every game as well and that sometimes can be a sign of a team that don't have the right formula sorted but as you but say injuries is a big factor of that Schwartzy. But he did all that last season as well. That's no different. To me, that, that hasn't changed. The only reason people may bring that up now is because the results are not showing. Last season, he did it all the time. And the fact that he got results, everyone was going how unbelievable he was at managing the squad, which he did do really, really well. The, the question was always going to be, okay, so short-term fix, the turnaround, the performances, the, the wins, that's all great, or rosy. The, the, all, you always get to know people's characters when they're under pressure. So now they're under a bit of pressure. We'll see what how the response will be, how the, the reaction will be from players and, and how the relationships unfold moving forward. And Tommy, we, we've spoken about Chelsea now, we've spoken about City, Liverpool, and we've even spoken about Arsenal. And one team that just continues to fly under the radar is Tottenham Hotspur, who now haven't, hadn't played in a few weeks. They came back with that entertaining game. It was fantastic for a neutral 2-2 draw with Liverpool. They're now six points behind Arsenal three games in hand. Now, games in hand, they're not one. You still have to go there. You've got to get three points against tough opposition, but they're in a pretty good spot when you do the mats. What have you made of Antonio Conte's side and what did you make of that game against Liverpool? No, I thought it was positive from, uh, you know, obviously from, from Liverpool. We knew what they were going to offer, but it's always, you know, interesting to see when a new manager comes in, if he can actually, you know, we know what, what Conte is, is about, you know, the passion, you know, he, he's attention to detail, but can he actually transfer that onto the pitch? And I think we saw that, you know, I, I love the way he played with two up front. I think it really caused problems for, for uh, you know, for Liverpool you, with that back five as well. Uh, and, and I thought they gave a great account for themselves 
Deli Ali, you know, was given a, a start for you know for the first time in a while. You know, I thought he, you know, he he had his moments in the game as well. And and if they can get him, you know, playing well in that midfield, making those runs which which he was so good at a couple of years ago from deep, getting late into the box, supporting Son and Kane. I think they've got options, and you're looking at the bench as well with Lucas Moura and and, and other players, uh, Bergwijn as well. You know, I think you know they are moving in the right direction. I, I quite fancy them, and I said that in a couple of part, podcasts ago. I fancy them to finish above Arsenal. You know, as you say, they need to win these games that they've got in hand. But you know, they, they're looking stronger by the day. I I, I think they're, they're certainly more than capable. I think the squad is a better squad than Arsenal's. Um, in terms of experience and everything else, I mean, you, there's a good argument to have. I think when you look at Arsenal's young players now, what well, they've done over the last season or so. But I agree. I, I think they're good enough to finish above Arsenal and finish in that fourth position. I just think they're fragile still. You know, I, I don't think mm. everything is quite rosy at the moment. Um, January is going to be a telling factor for them. What happens? Conte is he able to wheel and deal? Is he able to get players out, bring players in? Who stays? Who goes? Um, performance was certainly from a, a Tottenham. F- Perspective, I think a really positive performance. You know, they went there with a little bit, I think, not a real lot of fear, which is something that, that I think over the last couple of months, Tottenham have probably had a, quite a bit of and disjointedness. Um, I thought they were extremely lucky in terms of, <laughs> yeah. I thought there was some really bad refereeing. Paul Tierney, I, I thought was, was, was terrible in terms of Harry Kane should have got a red card without a, without a doubt. For me, it was it was a definite red card. Um, and then when you look at, um, you know, Andy Robertson, I mean, it's just a silly, silly thing to do. You know, he didn't need to do it, whatever, you know. And and I, I don't disagree that it wasn't a red card, but I, I certainly think Harry Kane should have been sent off. Um, he says himself he got the ball, he didn't get anywhere near the ball, and it was a dangerous challenge. And then Jota should have had a penalty as well, let's be honest. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, so Tottenham were lucky. In that regard, but you know, you've got to earn your luck, and they went with it, and that's fine. Um, but uh, I still think there's still quite a bit to do for Tottenham before they end up being, you know, in that top four. For, they may be there in the short term, but whether they finish there come the end of the season, you know, it, only time will tell. Well, it's uh, one one game off the halfway point of the season and still you can't really call anything at this point. Harry Kane, you mentioned they were a bit lucky. Harry Kane scored probably the hardest one out of his chances. He could have had a hat-trick because <laughs> he missed two that were that were easier than the one that he scored. But it was a great game for the neutrals nonetheless. And uh, for me, it was, it was good to see Liverpool drop points as well. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We're going to get now to the the most entertaining part of the show. It's the Gegendors. It's my first Gegendors to host, uh, which is an honor of mine. I saw neither of you two were in last year's. It was Bridgie and Johnny Aloisi. Yep. And I was looking back on the Gegendors from last year. A couple of terrible calls from the two of them, but a couple of great ones. And one, I hate to admit it, Bridgie, for his big call of 2021, he predicted both Ronaldo and Messi to leave their clubs. He predicted Ronaldo to go back to United. 
His only miss was he predicted Messi to go to Man City. But that was his bold decision for 2021. I thought that was pretty good from him. And rarely he gets something right. So, <laughs> not bad. But we're going to kick it off with our best moment of 2021. It can be anything in the footballing year that takes out the cake as the most iconic, the best moment, the one that made you smile, laugh, cry, whatever it might be. Tommy, have you got one? Of course. Um, for me, it was definitely when news came through that Christian Eriksen um, was alive and, and at least breathing and smiling. Uh, you know, sitting there in the Optus Sports studio, um, you know, doing obviously the coverage of, of the Euros and, and then watching that in real time, you know, first of all, a, a top player, but also someone that I've shared a room with in, at international duty, you know, the, 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 the front figure of the Danish team, you know, lying there fighting for his life. Uh, that was tough to watch. And, and I think, uh, you know, that, that was the, the, yeah, the, the biggest smile I could put on my face was when when it when it came through and and he was all right and I actually got to see him last week and you know I I sort of gave him a little hug <laughs> because you know it's it's it, it's a tough thing but it it turned out to be a great thing for for Denmark uh, for for the Euros and uh, you know so we can all smile about it uh, afterwards and and um, for what it was but uh, at at that time for sure it was it was horrible yeah. Can't um, can't argue with that, mate. Can't can't I can't beat that with anything, really. I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it was an incredible moment. I, I also think uh, you know the doctors and and the physios, the, the incredible jobs that those guys do. You know, I, I know it's part of their job and they're trained, but still, listen, come on, we're talking about people's lives, and you know, I think no one probably thought there was a chance for 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 Christian Eriksen to to get out of that. And I think also for me was seeing the seeing here's the picture of him on Facetime. Um, in the hospital bed, like a couple of hours afterwards, that was just ridiculous. When you see someone that's on the ground like that, and and the work that's going into saving the guy's life, to a couple of hours later, he's just sitting there and he's having a smile on his face. It's just incredible. Yeah, and it was it was uh, sometimes it takes moments like that to see the human side of the players as well. Simon Kier was commended for the way he handled that situation, even with uh, with Christian's partner on the field, and I think that was one of those ones where football you realize is not the biggest deal and uh and then the reaction from the danish team when they when they went on after that incredible tournament now i'd say they're considered footballing powerhouses from their reaction from that day on so it definitely spurred something on i can't argue with that i'll give an honorable mention to italy winning the euros just for shorty and breaking the record for most <laughs> games unbeaten oh uh, but that was also a decent moment of 2021 um but nonetheless i'm happy i think we're all happy to agree on that one now, let's go with the most bizarre, random moment of 2021 that you just, you either don't agree with or you just didn't see coming. Just something which completely caught you blindsided. Schwartz, what do you got? Um, I, I mean, what, what probably, I don't know, bizarre. What caught me blindsided really was, I'd have to say, Chelsea's turnaround under Tuchel. I, I don't think anybody envisaged that they would turn around as quickly as well as they did to then go on and win the Champions League you know I think was bizarre was incredible um, and it was up there with almost being the best moment but obviously then when Thomas went on about Christian Eriksen I went of course it is you know so for me that's kind of it was up there as well because I, I, I was blown away by it because I you know watching watching Chelsea beforehand being in quite a few of the games speaking to Frank um, post matches and doing interviews with him 
and you just kind of thought, you know what, he's done a really good job there, but then it just fell apart so quickly, and we all know with Chelsea, things can, can, can end very quickly. Um, and Thomas Tuchel's uh, ability to come in, we, I mentioned it slightly, you know, a little bit earlier on about his ability to man-manage, and he just flipped it, it's on its head, and the team went from strength to strength, and in the end, you know, kind of, what did they do? They nullified Man City in the final. Yeah, Tommy? Most bizarre moment of 2021. <laughs> it didn't happen long long ago. I'll probably say and something because I was watching, you know, the highlights. I didn't know what to expect. It was the Sam Kerr body check, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and I, I was sitting there watching it. And I was like, because as as players, we we talked, we we taught to just don't engage if anything get, because you, you can get into trouble. But I was actually sitting there, and when it happened, I was like. Good on you. Just give the because this guy was on the pitch. He was, he was, he was making a mockery of it. You know, taking selfies and selfies and all sorts. And and she did what we were all thinking. So uh, good on her. It was a bit weird to watch, but uh, you know, I don't know why she got the yellow card. She should be applauded for it. So <laughs> no, I, I thought it was a fair yellow card. I mean, it was a shoulder challenge. <laughs> it wasn't too dangerous, and I thought it was. Nah. A, it was, you know, the ball was not in the vicinity. So I think it's a fair yellow card. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely dangerous play. I, I think what was probably more bizarre than that, you guys probably didn't see it, but I, I, I thought the the reaction from the media over here to that one was incredible. You know, Sammy Kerr won, yeah. won an FA Cup just days before that, and you saw a little bit about it, but then a shoulder barge. Oh, we love a shoulder barge in Australia, mate. We love that. So it was all over the news here, which was pretty bizarre in itself. My, my bizarre moment uh, was Jose Mourinho getting sacked just days before a cup final. Yeah, so that was bizarre. I, thought, yeah. right, I just can't can't fathom that. And then they went out there with, uh, I believe it was Mason was was in charge of them for the final. Ryan Mason was in charge, and just they yes. looked like they had nothing compared to City there. So that 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 shocked me. I still to this day think that was a terrible decision, and Jose should have been able to play the final that he got them to. So uh, football always dishes up plenty of those, sometimes more bizarre than wonderful moments. But that's why we love it, guys. We're going to move into your favourite player to watch this year. This doesn't mean the best player in the world. That's going to come later. It's a player that you love watching. Maybe that might be your, you know, I think I know who Mark Schwartz is because he doesn't, he goes on about him to me and Bridgie, but I'm not sure. Schwartz, who's your favorite player to watch in 2021? <laughs> are, are you thinking I'm going to say Ma- Maxwell Cornet? Are you thinking I'm going to say? <laughs> no, I'm not going to mention him. No, I, well, I did mention him, but I'm not going to say him. Um, my favorite, my favorite player to watch. I have to say, my favorite player to watch um, is is yeah, is still Alfonso Davies, uh, left back at, okay. uh, at at Bayern Munich. Every time he gets the ball, you just think he's going to shred someone. He's just going to leave them for dead. I mean, he hasn't played as well this season as he did the season before. Um, he's he struggled a few with injuries, but I, I do really, really enjoy watching him play. I, I think he's a phenomenal player and. Canada, I tell you what, half decent team these days. Yeah, they're looking good to qualify, aren't they, yeah. Tommy? Yeah, who's no. your favourite player to watch? Uh, you know, I, again, it, it, for me, it's between Salah and uh, or Ronaldo. I think you know, whenever those two are on the pitch, uh, Salah probably didn't have the best start to the year, but uh, you know, off late, you know, last six, seven months, I think he's been absolutely on fire. And you, you know, you just love watching games with players that can single-handedly do something special and I think those two um, 
you know, you're always on the edge of your seat whenever they're on the pitch, uh, and they deliver. You know, with with all the pressure they have on them, they just keep they just keep doing it. So, you know, I can't really pick. If I had to pick one, I think Salah. You know, he's really stood out of late, and uh, yeah, it's a big reason why Liverpool are so strong at the moment. He's been unbelievable, hasn't he? I think when I when I look at favorite player to watch, unfortunately, he didn't play enough. But it's got to be N'Golo Kante. Uh, earlier in the in the first half of this year, Schwartz spoke about Chelsea's turnaround and him winning man of the match home and away against Real Madrid again in the final against Atletico man of the match, and he was just incredible in that Champions League run. The way he can change a team, so he's back fit for Chelsea. I think fit. You never know with N'Golo, but uh, if he is fit, I think I have no doubt that they'll be turning around. This one now, we look at our national team. And there's been our Socceroos and Matildas playing around the world. Let's start with the Socceroos. Who's been your favourite Socceroo at club level? Uh, national team hasn't played too much, and when they have, it hasn't been the most impressive. But at club level, which Socceroo do you think's had the best year? Who are you asking? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go whoever first. wants to jump in? Uh, whoever yeah, wants to jump I, in here? As the uh, newly crowned Australian, uh, you know, with an Australian passport, I'll go first. Oh, well done. Congratulations. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah, well yeah, done, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm half Aussie now. Um, no, I'll, I'll go with ha- uh, Harry Sutar. Even though he, he, you know, got injured of late, I think he's been tremendous. I think he's probably one of the, if not the brightest star that uh, Australian football has. And I think he, he can definitely make it in the Premier League. He's, he's scored a lot of goals for for the Socceroos and, um, you know, showed great um, ability at, at Stoke as well. He's got the right size. He's that old-fashioned, you know, no-nonsense centre-half, uh, strong in the air, but still got some ability on the ground as well. And, and you know, it's just sad that he, he, he got injured and and it's, he's, he's got a, now a little setback in his career. But for me, he's he's been the one. Yeah, he's been very, very good. Um, but I'm going to go with an oldie but a goodie. Um, in terms of he's not even that old, but he's been around forever and he hasn't hit the heights with the Socceroos as much as he has with his club team. And certainly best, he's been playing really, really well um, in the last probably three or four months now since the start of the season. Um, is it a coincidence since Ange has taken over? Tommy Rogic. I mean, I think he's been absolutely sensational. He's been instrumental in Celtic's run. Um, and let's hope he continues let's hope he he carves it up this season and let's hope he's able to then transfer that form into the Socceroos because we don't see it enough from him he's a, he's an immensely talented young man he just needs to be able to transfer it more frequently into the national team as well it feels like we've been having that conversation for years saying we don't quite see it is that a system thing or um, not necessarily because, you know, we played under Ange with the national team and still didn't quite fire to the levels we expect to see him and, and, and seeing glimpses from uh, at Celtic. Now with Ange at the helm at Celtic, he really seems to be establishing himself as a real, uh, he's a goal scorer, he scores some spectacular goals, which we all know, we've, we've seen him do it, but he's also uh, instrumental in providing. Um, so, you know, he, he set up the second goal in the cup final on the weekend, the win um, against Hibs, and uh, let's hope that continues. And I don't think necessarily it's a it's a it's a tactic thing. Um, I think it's more probably more him, you know, more him about maybe trying to work out how he finds his you know his best form with you know with the Socceroos jersey as well. Mm. Um, I th- uh, yeah, I think so. I think uh, the 
if trophies come Celtic's way as well, then you can't argue them that confidence will come back. Celtic's had some tough times, and I think that, that maybe that's taken its toll on Tommy Rogic. But do you think, Tommy, just a quick one, do you think Tommy should have left when there was that there was that interest on him from a few Premier League clubs looking to bring him across? I think it was about four or five years ago. Do you think that was the time for him to leave, or has he yeah, made a good decision is, staying at Celtic this when, long? When you say that, like I, I, I don't think for, for the life of me that if the Premier League club had come in for him, and it was a genuine offer. That he would, I mean, depending on who they are, obviously. But generally speaking, yeah. if it's a decent club in the Premier League, I would have thought he would want to take that next step, right? Because as good as Celtic are and as good as the league, you know, as good as they are within their league and a bit, as big a club they are, you know, playing in the Premier League still supersedes it if it's at a, at a really good club, right? So if there was genuine interest and an opportunity for him to go to a, to a good club in the Premier League, then, then I think he would have gone. So... You know, press talk is one thing, the ability to go or, yeah. or actually going in, in reality is another thing. Mm. Fair enough. Tommy Rogic, let's hope to see more of him in the next year. I went with Martin Boyle for mine just because his numbers last season were brilliant. Hibernian finished high. Uh, you know, he's, he's another adopted Aussie like Tommy Sorensen. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> we love him. We love him anyway. We love him anyway. They're just Thank as you. Aussie as the rest of us. Um, <laughs> Tommy, let's go with our Matildas at club level. There's plenty of them which have made the move to huge clubs over in Europe. Who's been your favourite Matilda at club level? Uh, I, I don't think you can get around Sam Kerr. I think uh, what she's done, you know, obviously winning the treble, um, you know, last season with, with Chelsea, you know, the, the goal scoring record. Uh, I think she's got 31 goals in, in 35 games for Chelsea and nine, nine in nine games this season. Uh, and what she did at the Olympics as well, I thought she was instrumental in in the you know Matilda's getting as far as they got into the semi-final. Um, so for me, she's a star uh, at a at a world level. She, not not just Australia. She's one of the best players in the world, um, and and she does it week in and week out. So so yeah, for for me, it's definitely her. Yep, it's hard to look beyond. Uh, Sam, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think she, her numbers are unbelievable. She's been phenomenal. She's, I think she's grown and improved as a player. She's added more to a game um, coming since coming to England. She's playing with better players in general, I think, around her. Um, absolutely. But I think we've got to mention also, there's notable mentions for Ellie Carpenter because she's playing at one of the best teams on the planet at uh, Lyon. Um, and she plays, she's a regular player there, and she's a, she's I think she's she's a she's a great athlete and a really good player. And I also am going to say Mary Fowler. I'm excited to see Mary Fowler develop even further because I think she's come a, a long, long way in a very short period of time. And there is a lot of talk about her potentially signing for Bayern Munich. So they're apparently hot on her heels, and they're trying. She's trying to get out of her club in France. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned those two, Schwartzy, because I had those down. Because to go over to France, they're both learning another language. And I think when you talk about maturity and maturing as a player, the way Sam Kerr did, you look at Ellie Carpenter now and her ability to play in different systems. She plays in a back three sometimes, back four. They're, they're 11 wins from 11 games this season. Yep. Leon flying. And Mary Fowler, she's in and amongst the goals, assists for Montpellier, which are pushing European yep. positions as well. So it's great to see. I, I think there's, there's something special, and it says a lot about a character when they choose not to go to the US or England, go to a whole whole other country where you don't know the language, whole different style of football and pick it up. And I think that's that's very special. So I, I had Ellie and, and Mary there as well, but great to see our girls around. Yeah, I saw Europe. your notes. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, you usually do that before we... That's cool. I just, I just write you. I'm your ghostwriter for most of the stuff you do. Um, looking forward to 2022. 
and it promises to be a big year. We've got a World Cup in that year. There's so much opportunity for new young guns to make a name for themselves in world football. Tommy, if there's one young gun to look out for, let's go. Let's go at least under 21. Under 21, the young gun that you think will dominate 2022. Who will it be? I think uh, we got to look at Dusan Vlaovic um, from Fiorentina. I think um, you know he's he's under the radar a little bit, um, but he's got amazing potential. Just uh, equaled uh, Ronaldo Serie A uh, goal scoring record in a calendar year. You know he's a top scorer in the, in uh, in the Serie A. Uh, and I think he'll go to a big club already in January. Fiorentina have said that they're at the right price. They're willing to obviously cash in. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a top, top player. He's potentially not, maybe not at a, at a Haaland level, but I think he, he can go a long way. Even at international level, he scored seven goals in 14 games. So for me, sort of a little bit under the radar pick, but... Um, I think he's going to he's going to be massive uh, come next year. Um, Incredible player. I've got a player that I've watched quite a lot of. Um, someone who's who's been he, he he broke onto the scene probably last season more more uh, yeah he broke onto the scene last season and was a bit more of a bit part player. Went to the Euros, came on limited opportunity for Germany. Um, uh, played for England under twenty one level. And is pretty much becoming a mainstayer, certainly with Kimmich out of the the, the Bayern side. Uh, Jamal Musiala, uh, I think he's a he's 18 years old. Um, things a phenomenal talent, um, very very mature player. And the thing is, I don't think he's going anywhere because he's at one of the biggest clubs in, in in Europe. But he's in a great. I think he's got a great platform to go on. And also, most importantly. He's huge for Germany, and the fact that Hansi Flick's the manager and had him at, at Bayern and brought gave him that opportunity, worked with him in the reserves at Bayern. He's got a huge, huge future ahead of him. I mean, he born in Stuttgart, Jamal Musiala, but as you said, played all his youth football for England. And are they kicking themselves now at this point that they didn't get him up into the first team? Yeah, but you know, ultimately, the thing is this, right? So. A player, if a player decides to play for another country, obviously his heart was generally there. I mean, it's, it's not like we're talking, you know, we're talking about two powerhouses, right? In England and Germany. It's not like we're talking about one's a powerhouse, one's not, and the one that is the powerhouse is not that interested yet or haven't really selected him, so you've gone for the lesser one, right? So he's, so he's kind of felt like he's got no other option, right? But he's had a choice between two massive, massive countries. So obviously he's felt more German or felt more of a connection with playing for Germany than he did for England. That's all I can think. It may be different, but that's how I would view it, I think. I mean, when I when I think back at, you know, if, if I were in that situation, I would be thinking, right, okay, what do I feel most? You know, you, you've got two countries that are... Uh, well, actually, let's be honest. Germany are more successful than England, but, you know, uh, <laughs> more likely to win something, aren't they? Let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, but I was I also if think Germany uh, came knocking. Yeah, no, but no, I, I never I was, was interested. <laughs> I was never interested. No, I swear to you, I swear to you, I never was interested. No, I, I would have been flattered, but I would never would have been interested because I only yeah. ever wanted to play for Australia. Yeah, yeah but as much I as I think, love I love Germany, but I, I I only ever wanted to play for Australia. But I also think in the case of Musiala, I think the DFB, the the the, the football, the FA in Germany, I think they courted him for a while, and I think they also showed that interest. Uh, to sort of, you know, to, to connect him to his, his sort of motherland early on, I think. Uh, and I think that 
from what I've heard, also sort of pushed him in that direction. Yeah, not a bad choice. <laughs> not a bad choice. Probably much more likely to win something, as you say. We go back to winning being in your DNA, and it definitely is for the Germans. I, I am still waiting on on a call from either Italy or Australia, <laughs> um, but but uh, we'll see. We'll see when that comes. I, I look. I think I, I, for me, it's got to be Ansu Fati and. Everyone's looked past him because of his injuries this year, but his hands are the number 10. And I thought in that little stint that he did come back this season, he came back and played a few games, and Barca looked like a whole different team. If he can get his body right, if the Barca staff or whoever's in charge can get his body right, he's expected to be back at the start of next year. And if he can get a full year under his belt, I think he's a phenomenal talent. He's still a teenager as well, and it's going to be interesting to see now a whole team on his back because I think that's what it is. That's what it symbolizes at Barcelona when they give you the number 10 jersey. So there's a lot of pressure on him, but I think he's a remarkable talent. Um, this one's going to be a lot of fun because now we, we get to be a bit critical. Best and worst signings of 2021. I'm going to start with worst signing. Who's just been terrible flop? You can be as harsh as you want. Chances are they're probably not going to listen to the Gagapod, hopefully. So don't be afraid to rip in. Tommy, who you got? You know, he's probably no, he has played a lot. Uh, Brian Gill from uh, Tottenham. Uh, I think it was just what he came for. Now he was a young, talented player from Sevilla. Uh, obviously, in that they paid twenty-one million plus Eric Lamella for him, uh, and has only played I think fifty odd minutes. Uh, so for me, that's a big disappointment. But if you're looking at a player that probably came with a big price tag, has played a lot and had, hasn't delivered. I still think Buendia at Aston Villa still has to step up. Um, you know, he sort of seems to have sort of uh, sort of raised his game on the Jared a little bit, but uh, for me, he still hasn't done anything near what was expected for, I think, £35 million, which is a massive uh, deal uh, for, for Aston Villa. All right, I'm going to say, and I think this is really, really harsh, so I'm going to even criticize myself already. It's really, really harsh. But I'm saying it more because I expected so much more from him as well. I was excited about him going to Chelsea. Saul Niguez. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, and even even the fact that he's, he's played, he's started two games and both times he's been taken off at half time. I mean, Tuchel himself said it's a bit harsh to criticism received the last time he got taken off. However, he, he needs to improve. And it just seems like a player that was phenomenal at Atletico Madrid, you know, granted not last season, it was a couple of seasons ago, he's just fallen away. I, I, I quite can't, can't quite ex, uh, explain it. Um, I don't think anyone can explain it, let's be honest. Um, so yeah, I have to say that's been, for me, for me, one of the biggest disappointments. Looks miles off the pace doesn't he at the moment which can happen in the Premier League you guys have experienced it as such a quick style of football but this just looks a little bit too much off the pace but that's why clubs are doing this new loan with the option to buy I think it's just uh, they can always just hit the red button and send them straight back where they came from and I wouldn't be yep. surprised if Chelsea do do that with Saul the way it's looking but let's look at more positive things Schwartzy best signing of 2021 best signing of 2021 I mean Messi's definitely not in that one I can say that now wholeheartedly. He's definitely not in that one. Um, jersey sales, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, his jersey sales is probably right up there as number one. Let's be honest. I mean, listen. I think Ronaldo is right up there. I think his impact at West Ham has been been pretty phenomenal. Um, it's a really good question. Um, I'm just trying to pick my brain right now. Um, you know, Romelu Lukaku hasn't hit the ground running like. Say Ronaldo's kind of... impact at West Ham. There he's it. Sorry. 
you say Ronaldo's impact at West Ham? Did I? I hope I didn't. Ronaldo's impact at Manchester <laughs> United. That, what am I talking that, about? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. But uh, I, I don't know. I can't even. I didn't, see, that's what I'm saying. I don't even know anymore. Um, Ronaldo's impact at Manchester United has been been pretty pretty phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, Jack Grealish, I don't think has 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 reached the heights that we'd kind of expected. Maybe certainly with a price tag, but that's not his fault. You know, someone's paid a hundred million for him. Um, help me, guys. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, yes, I have. And, and we have to look within the union because for me, uh, even though he cost £30 million, I think yeah. Aaron Ramsdale has been the difference maker for Arsenal. I think he t- he's turned it around by, you know, bailing him out quite a few times and he's still bailing him out. Um, but it's given the, the side belief uh, and I, I love the banter. Like when when they played Leicester, you you know there were seven. You, you're never going to play for England. And and now when they beat Leeds at the weekend, he was giving the, the the Leeds fans stick. And and it's just something that I think it just rubs on off on on everyone else. And he just seems to be a good character as well. Which uh, so for me, you know, I might be a bit biased uh, as a goalkeeper, but I think he's been a massive difference maker for Arsenal. Hmm. It's a good shout. It's hard. It's hard to look beyond that. I have to agree with you because I. I don't know about you, Thomas, but I'm actually surprised at the impact that he's made. I didn't think. I'm I'm as well. I'm as well. Yeah, I didn't think for a moment that he would have that same sort of impact. I actually was surprised. I didn't think he'd get a chance. Certainly not this soon ahead of Burton Leno. I felt for Burton Leno a little bit actually because I thought the team were poor. Um, Yeah, he didn't play particularly at his best, but I think the team were really poor up until that point. And, and and he he was a he was a uh, I think a, a casualty of those p- poor performances. Um, yeah, all right, I'm going to go with you on that. I, I agree. I think his impact for that Arsenal team has contributed more to to what oh, Ronaldo did for not West Ham for Man United. <laughs> um, but Ronaldo's impact has been pretty significant because where would Manchester United be right now if it weren't for Ronaldo and his goals so far this season? It's true. So it's, it's right up there. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's a tie between the two. I think that both of them have had massive, massive influences for both their sides. Mm. I think what's hurt Ronaldo is this uh, strange media attention saying that, you know, would the team play better without him and all this? I think it's rubbish personally, but, you know, media can always ruin a, a, a signing. I'm going to chuck in David Alaba because I think um, his impact at Real Madrid has been huge in a year where Real lost their two centre-halves, which were so important for many years, and he slotted into that role. Still, I think he's notched about four assists in the league, scored a great goal himself as well, which we all know he's capable of. But he's been brilliant. They're top of the league, and he seems to have organised that back line very, very well. So I'm very impressed with David Alaba and the way he's matured. You talk about maturing as a player, moving into centre-back, which we saw at Bayern Munich, Schwartzy, but yeah, he's uh, Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. So, yeah, you're right. He has been... uh, it did certainly slip my mind. He, he has been actually, he's been fantastic. I mean, I'm a big fan of him anyway. I thought he was brilliant at Bayern. I thought it was a, a big shame that, he, that, that Bayern lost him. However, it's a massive opportunity for him to go to Real Madrid. Um, it'd be interesting how how it goes in the Champions League as well. So, I mean, I think La Liga, Barca way off the pace. Um, Atletico off the pace. Real Madrid kind of seemed to be, even though I don't think internationally, certainly in, in, in Champions League, Real Madrid are particularly being great. See how far they go and, and, and where they are come the restart of the Champions League as well. well they're going to have PSG, so that's going to be a great test yeah, for them. But to that's, really yeah, absolutely, see. yeah. 
hundred percent. That, that's and that's a, that's a huge challenge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cannot wait for that when that gets back uh, later in Feb, Tommy. This is my favorite part, I think, because this is where we can look back in twelve months' time and we can either say that we've got no idea what we're talking about, or these guys got it spot on. This is the Nostradamus Award. So this is a bold prediction for twenty twenty two. Anything you think might happen, but let's go a bit out there, Tommy. What you got? You know, you, you, you're not going to like it. I think you should turn down that enthusiasm a little bit and maybe oh, just speak. I know speakers, exactly where right? it's going. <laughs> uh, my prediction is, is around the World Cup. Italy won't be there. And uh, I think England's going to win it. Oh, wow. That is a bold, yeah. that is a bold prediction, isn't it? <laughs> yes, wow. because I think... <laughs> I think with the Premier League, it's always a bit of a disadvantage with that, you know, for the English players. And I think with the World Cup being in November, I think they'll be a lot fresher. And um, I think it's going to suit them better, um, you know, to uh, to play at that time. So for me, I think they were close. Uh, they didn't totally convince me, but I think they'll be that little bit better and go all the way and uh, they can finally say it's coming home. I just think England get... I think England get found out tactically at times. I think they get yeah. outplayed tactically in the big games, in the big deciders. Um, that's the only fear I have. But I agree with you. The timing, I think, is important. I think that, that, that actually is going to have a big part to play. I agree. I, I think the fact that every other time World Cups are off-season, the way that the Premier League is and the amount of games they have, that certainly takes a massive toll out on the players. So, I, that, But then saying that, there's a hell of a lot of players that are playing for different countries playing in the Premier League as well. So it, it's going to be an advantage for, for other countries as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's... I um, don't know about them winning it. I don't, I don't know. don't know. I think there's a number of countries that can win it. I, don't know. I agree, though. No, I, I think Italy won't make it. It's a bold prediction. It. It's a bold prediction. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. You know, but, but I, uh, I think Italy won't make it. I'm going to say that as well. I, I actually yeah. don't think they're going to make it, which is kind of one of those bizarre ones. Like they've had five steps forward, but they're going to make probably ten steps back. We're not making the World Cup. Um, okay, my bold my bold prediction is this: Pep Guardiola will leave City in the summer. Whoa! Oh, wow. Does he go somewhere else, or does he take some time off? I think he'll take time off. I don't think he'll go anywhere. Okay. I think he'll take time off. Um, and and. Um, this is really bold. <laughs> I can. I, I think also Thomas Tuchel won't be there come the end of the season. Ooh. I know. I, that, I, I don't know where that came from. I didn't even think about that until now. It just came <laughs> on me. I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling it. I hope. It, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm not the winner. You mean as in before the end of the season or at the end of the season they'll part ways? I think come the end of the season. He won't be there. So whether or not it's, I mean, what you want me to give you an exact date or time or what? <laughs> no, but there's, there's a big there's a big difference between he'll leave at the end of the season or he I think won't it's going to be, be there on the last day of the season. Uh, or we well, can no, say no, no, before the start of next season. Yeah, before the start of next yeah. season, he won't be there. As with okay. Pep Guardiola, won't All be there right. either. Yeah, I, I think I think Pep Guardiola will. It'll. He'll either make it official beforehand, or you will find out very quickly. As in terms of if City win the league. I think it'll be like announced then. If if they've already won it beforehand, he'll announce it then. I reckon. Wow, yeah, it's, yeah. it's getting around that time for Pep. It's getting around yeah. that time. No and Brendan Rodgers will be the manager. Glory. And Brendan Rodgers will be the manager of City. There's another really? bit to it. Yeah, I'm giving you another <laughs> bit. I'm I'm going there, mate. I'm going the full Monty. 
I want to know the odds of that. My God. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> Rogers to City. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty confident yeah. about that, actually. That part of it I'm confident about, the Tuchel one, I'm not. The other okay. one, I'm very, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident. I'm about, um, I'm up there. Okay. Let's keep piecing the dots. Lampard to Leicester? Oh, well, I, no, I'm not even going that far. I don't know. That's not part of my, that's not my part of my prediction, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Come on, Claude. Tommy, you, you, you're both, you're both breaking my heart. So Tommy's saying that uh, Italy won't be at the World Cup and Schwartz is yeah. saying that Tommy Tuchel won't be at Chelsea. So 2021 was a very good year for my club and country and 2022 sounds like it's going to be a shocking year for my club and country. Yeah. Great. Thanks, guys. I hope you both. I told you, though, I hope I'm wrong. I've said it. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> Certainly the Chelsea England. one. No, 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 that part I'm fine. <laughs> Is there any chance that both Italy and Portugal don't make it? Uh, I don't oh, think no. so. It's going to no, be one I, or the other. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. I, I think it'll be a, a Portugal-Italy playoff, I think. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Okay. I don't. I don't have one for this one. I. I need to think further about this. I. I. I was trying to think of something outrageous. I just. I just couldn't get one. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, Schwartz did it for you. So. Uh, yes. I, I yeah, picked, that was great. I picked that even more great. for you. Schwartz <laughs> sold the headline, which is great. Um, the last one of the day. This is the most important award, I guess. We had a Ballon d'Or, which had a lot of. Criticism, as it always does, but particularly this year, it felt like it was met with a lot of criticism. Messi won it for the seventh time. This is our chance to put things straight if you don't agree with that decision. This is the Gegendor 3-2-1 for the best, second best, and third best player in world football. Let's start with the third best. I'm going to start with Thomas. Who comes in at number three for you in the Gegendor? Um, I, I want to give some honourable mentions before. Um, I think Mo Salah, Jorginho, Donnarumma, I think deserve a mention. But I got Ronaldo at third. Um, wow! And I still think, yeah. Wow! Um, I think, yeah. Um, I think he, he's you know he's consistent. Really? He, top yeah. <laughs> top scorer uh, at the Euros. Um, so yeah, third place for me. That was that was an interesting top score on that one though, wasn't it? It was just a, yeah, a couple of tap-ins and a couple of pens. But you still got to score. We were starting in third place, yeah? We were not starting yeah, in third place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, but okay, I, 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 right. no I, I was shocked when you went. I've got honourable mentions of like Mo Salah. I'm thinking, are you for real? Not in your top three? No. Right. Nah. Okay. Nah. Nah. Yeah. All right. Not for the whole year, Schwartzy. Mo Salah. Where was he six months ago? Come on. Yeah, come on. For banging goals in for for Liverpool. Look at his record last season as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah. is he coming in? Who's, who's your number three? I'm going to say Messi, number three. <laughs> oh, okay. That's interesting. Right, listen, in no, no, I, okay. no, listen, he's a phenomenal player. There's no doubt about it, right? Phenomenal player. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the greatest of all time. Um, I was reading, I read something actually, uh, Garth, Garth Brooks from uh, over here, ex, ex player. Uh, was running on the BBC or was quotes on the BBC and he was saying about the fact that um, saying that he read an article or an article yeah that was written about the fact that Messi is the greatest player of all time and his response was he found it really really strange that someone would be classed as the greatest player of all time having never won the World Cup and then there was a picture of Diego Maradona let alone someone that hasn't that hadn't won it three times and scored over a thousand competitive goals in Pele, of course. Um, 
and it was what what was the 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 quote the quote was it's like playing that's right allowing ed sheeran to perform ahead of frank sinatra at a at a at a concert it's hard it's hard to compare generations i think for that reason it's so i agree with you yeah i totally agree with you but 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 yeah i know know what you mean i know what you mean yeah you know it's the world cup right it's the crown of all football it's the epitome of all football but then you know let people talk about down by your team but some people talk about you know george best being one of the best players of all time but he would never be classed as the best one of the reasons is he never played at a world cup right um yeah and there's a valid point there, you know. There is. I mean, I think I think there's a valid point because Maradona was incredible, and he won the World Cup, right? And he and he kind of mm. carried Argentina to a large degree. Not that he wins it himself, because he needs everyone else around him, right? And then Pele, very much certainly with two of the World Cups, helped had a big influence on Brazil winning the World Cup on the, on two of those occasions. Yeah. Oh, there's three. So, of course. how do you beat that? It is tough. He's, he yeah. might have one more. I mean, he's going to have one more chance to do it. You know, no, Pele, he's finished, mate. Super Pele's likely. not going to do it, mate. He's finished. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we've got, <laughs> we've got Ronaldo in at third, Messi in at third. Tommy, back to you. Who's coming in at second? Okay. Then, then uh, you know, I've got Messi in, in, in second. Um, you know, I even know though... I, got, I, I, I know who you got as number one. I know. There's only one. There's only one number one. Like, uh, I you agree. Know, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, you know, again, uh, it might take it, be taken into account what he's done before. And, I, I, you know, early, obviously last year, he, he got, uh, you know, 30 goals in 35 games for, for Barcelona. Not, probably not his greatest season at, 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 at uh, you know, in, in, in history terms, but he won the Copa America. Uh, you know, for me, it still puts him up there. He's still, whenever you watch him, he's still exciting. Yes, it hasn't quite up to this date worked out at PSG, but, you know, he's, he's, yeah, he's he's still up there with Ronaldo and probably even ahead of him. So um, that, yeah, that's even, why, even though he's on the, he hasn't won the World Cup. He's been in a World Cup final. You know, he's been close, but again, I don't think he's had the team. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> and uh, but I don't think he's had the team around him. Um, you know, at 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 a lot of times, but yeah. That, that's yeah. just uh, Higuain couldn't finish a happy meal that day as well. Let him down a little bit. Yeah. Schwartzy, no, number two. Yeah, listen, I've got Messi on the podium, mate. He's, he's brilliant. I, I rate him massively, obviously. Um, but I'm going to go number two. And then part of the reason as well is because of the first, what, six months or whatever it is at uh, PSG because he's nowhere near it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mo Salah for me, number two. Okay. He gets silver medal for me. He's mm. um, He's been phenomenal. You look at his record since he's been at Liverpool. has been absolutely incredible. It's... You know, talk about the whole thing, Ballon d'Or, longevity, you know, in terms of performance year after year, what he's achieved, what he's won, he's right up there, right up there. And yeah. very, very, I, I'm, I'm astounded he finished seventh in the, um, in the, 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 the other Ballon d'Or. Yeah, the the less important one. I think yeah, a lot yeah. of that comes down to just the lack of international tournaments. We've said it before. The, a lot of the African players were, were hurt by that. Edouard Mendy being another one. When yeah. you don't have an international tournament, that tends to happen on the Ballon d'Or. So I think we all agree on number one. So we're going to count down from three, and then we can all say it at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one. Georginio. Lewandowski. No? Lewandowski. 
joking. Come on, man. I'm joking. Come on. I just wanted to rile up the fans because everyone got so triggered when Jorginho was up for that. But it's definitely Lewandowski, isn't it? He deserves one. Yeah. If it's not for 2021, he deserves one for 2020. He's been incredible. Yeah. Um, but, but even for, for this year, I know he, he probably didn't... You know, he plays for Poland and, and you know, they, they were a bit disappointed, I must say, at the Euros. But, you know, he, he's... You know, equal to Gerd Müller's record in in the Bundesliga last year. He's got sixty nine uh, goals for the calendar year. I think he equaled uh, Ronaldo. Yeah, he broke the record. Only... He's broke the record for a calendar year now. No, I think Messi's still got more goals. I think. Yeah, Messi's got ninety. No, in terms of uh, sorry, in Germany, sorry, in Germany, he beat oh, okay, Gerd yeah, Müller's yeah. record of a calendar year as well. Yeah, yeah. In that yeah, farmers yeah. league, sorry, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. In that farmers league. Oh. Uh, but he got he also got rubbed he got rubbed last year. I know he he got a European player, he's yeah. got FIFA FIFA World Player of the Year, but for some reason they cancelled the Ballon d'Or, which was a disgrace. Uh, and he should have won it. So. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Terrible. It, yeah. it really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, we'd I love, agree. We'd love to see him go back on that. Yeah, it has to be. Has to be Robert Lewandowski, guys, and uh that's a great way to wrap up our Gegendor awards. We're all agreed on Lewandowski. It's it's down to Lekip to make things right and give the man a trophy for 2020. Let's see if it happens. I have a feeling they still might do that, guys, as we wrap no, up the Jägen pod for the year. They won't. They don't. It's, it's no. the French, isn't it? The French, the French don't <laughs> go I'm, back no, on. I'm, I'm, Listen, I'm, I'm going to stick up for French. I don't have any bad experiences with the French at all. I think they're wonderful <laughs> people. Uh, I just think the people who are running the Ballon d'Or obviously don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Quote that one up. Optus Sport quote yeah. that one up from Mark Schwarzer. Before I let you guys go, it's, it's the last time I'm going to speak to you for the year, so I'm going to hold you for another few minutes, just for a quick one, because I don't want to have to wait until the end of 2022 to, just, to see if we're right or wrong with some of those Nostradamus predictions. So, quick one, looking ahead till the next time we chat, which will be early next year, will Man City be top of the league still? Yes or no? Uh, Thomas? Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, they've got to, obviously... Uh, uh, four points lead, I think. Um, you know, and, you know the, the way they're going at, you know, even the the schedule they've got coming up, uh, I think it's still favourable. Uh, if they can stay obviously clear of COVID and and don't lose too many, I think they they should be they should be there at the top as well. Come twenty twenty two, start of it. Well, come the morning of the first of January, though, I think they'll still be top. They've got Leicester at home on the on the twenty sixth of December, and they've got. Uh, Brentford away unless games are cancelled and other teams are playing and their games are, that's it. I think that's the only way they'll be caught I think they'll be top come the 1st of January obviously a, an interesting game 1st of January away at Arsenal so one to look out for as well well that's my next one Schwartz will Arsenal still be in the top four will Arsenal still be in the top four <sighs> gosh um uh, you know what? They're, they're on a really good run, aren't they? I mean, they've got... When you when you look at what they've got coming up between now and then, the next two games are massive for them. Norwich away, Wolves at home. They're two games that if Arsenal want to finish on top of all, have to win. They win those games. They're certainly come the 1st of January, they're in top four. Well, pretty much will be in the top four. <laughs> and that's yeah. that big game against Man City on the 1st of January. But will they be there come uh, end of the season? Well, we talked about it earlier on, didn't we? Spurs, probably yeah. big chance. But there's any one of five teams, I think, can finish fourth. Yeah. Tommy, will there be a manager sacking before we speak again? And if so, who will it be? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, the, the teams that are in, in trouble have already sort of uh, changed their managers. Um, I don't see it like... 
I don't think Bielsa, even though you know they're struggling a bit, but I don't think he'll get sacked in in any way. So no, I don't think there will be. I, 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 I did say that I think Ranieri will be gone before Christmas. You know what? Ooh, yeah. Watford are looming above the relegation, right? If, and they've, they've got Wolves away and they've got West Ham at home. Yeah. If, mm. if they lose both those games... He could be gone. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Next two games well, are huge It hasn't for been great. I feel, I feel like the win against United bought some extra time but besides, yes. it covered up a little bit of the holes but besides that it's been a tricky few months for Watford and it hasn't really gotten much better at all under yeah the so. no, two games next two games are huge and and it, yeah they're ruthless I mean I know I know he's got a yeah. really good relationship with the owners and they've supposedly had a good relationship for a long long time oh, if they lose those both those games I, I can see him gone hmm but he's the only one for me. Well, I, I don't think I don't think there's anyone else really under that sort of pressure. I, yeah, I mean, no. Bielsa's kind of no. no, no chance. I don't think. I mean, Sean Dyche, no chance. I can't. I can't. Nah, the only way no he'll way. go if he walks, but I don't. There's no way in the world he's yeah. going to walk from Burnley. Nah. Nah, I don't think so. No. Yeah. And I think a lot of the clubs will give you January as well to see what you can come up with mm. in the transfer window. Not necessarily. But, not necessarily. Um, if they, if they no. think it's done with, they're not going to give you January to waste January, bring players in potentially, mm. and then sack them mm. come the 1st of February and then try to find a manager who's happy to deal with the players that have just come to the club. No. I think if a club thinks, okay. that's, that's the key thing about January. They may wait to the first week of January, but that's the key for me. Clubs may pull the trigger slightly earlier in January to give the new manager an opportunity to bring players in, in, the, in the window. There you go. Tom will tell. Let's have a look. Guys, the last one, most important one, Tommy, will Bridgie turn up for our first chat of 2022? Uh, I don't know if his schedule will allow it. You know, every time I turn in, he's, <laughs> he's, he's left, right and center. He's watching games. He's at talk shows. He's, he's at supporters meetings. He's with families in the pub. Um, you know, I, don't, I don't know if he's ever come back. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I do know though I do know he was in Leeds and he was doing a podcast um, okay a rival podcast was cheating on us with for Leeds okay. United yeah he was doing a he was on a podcast for Leeds United okay. and um, they think he's a, I mean the, 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 the lady that uh, hosts the podcast she thought that he was a Leeds United fan I had to gently break the news to her that he's not <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the worst kept secret in football I think Bridgie uh who Bridgie supports deep down? Well, she was but, uh, she was convinced that he was a Leeds United fan. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and I had to break. <laughs> I'd I'd let her I'd let her down easily. Tell her no, he's not a Leeds United fan. You just had to ruin her Christmas, Shorty. Absolutely, it was brilliant. I loved you it. Just had loved to every ruin moment of it. I'm sure you did, gents. We've gone a little over time, but that's okay. It's our last chat for the year, guys. Have a merry Christmas, happy holidays, and and great festive season over there. Stay warm. And we'll chat early in the new year. To all our listeners, guys, have an awesome break and enjoy all the football. Hopefully, we'll be on. The Premier League announced this morning that they will try and play through all this. So there'll be plenty of games to entertain you guys. As always, you can catch all your latest news, highlights, everything you could ever want on the Optus Sport app from myself, Schwartzy, Tommy, and the whole team at Optus Sport. We'll see you in the new year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.